This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This is Six Rings. The dynasty continues. And football things. The X, the Z, vertical routes. I love football, man. With your host, Andy Hart. Well, Andy Hart is a football genius. I'm not going to pretend I sit down and watch the All-22. Next question, Andy Hart, please. Nick Fitzy Stevens. Is that Fitzy with you this morning? Absolutely not, Fitzy. This just in, I'm dead inside. And Chris Shine. Derek Carr, however, is a guy I would ride tonight. I think Matt Patricia's a boob. Back to the Six Rings podcast. I'm Andy Hart, and we are coming off, yes, a Patriots victory. Finally, the Patriots have a win for about the first time, and I'm going to say, and this may be extreme, and Fitzy may be pushing back, first time in about eight months, I think Patriot Nation feels pretty good. As a matter of fact, Andy, uh, as we noted on the Six Rings postgame show Sunday, that was the first dub, not of 2022, because they did defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars and interim coach Daryl Bevel uh, back on January 2nd. So it had been 259 days since they had last experienced the sweet taste of victory. Anyway, 17-14 win at Acrisure. Sure, I'll call it that. I prefer to call it Heinz Field, but it's Acrisure. Patriots beat Mitch Trubisky, Mike Tomlin, and the Steelers, who were a lot like them a borderline playoff team a year ago that got their doors blown off when they actually were in the postseason. Now the Steelers are in the transitional post Hall of Fame QB era, much like the Patriots are just a little bit ahead of them in the pace. And Chris Scheim, we are going to do something that I know you're going to love at least one aspect of, but I texted you guys earlier as we were doing a little show prep and I said I wanted each of us to present a big picture, long-term positive and negative takeaway from the Patriots' win in Pittsburgh to pull to one and one on the young season. And I'm going to start things off, and I am going to be positive. Mm. I think. I'm going to stick with the offensive side of the football, where we know we've been talking offense for forever. Foxborough forever, it seems like. Josh McDaniels left, and all we've talked about is personnel and coaching. And I deemed one aspect of the offense a house of cards in the offseason. 
And then last week and in the end of the preseason, I said, well, maybe I was premature. Maybe they're not even a house of cards. Good news is, ladies and gentlemen, the offensive line is back to house of cards status. The five starters, including Trent Brown, Cole Strange, who our friend Fitzy posted a story that was a little overly uh, gushing about on WEEI.com, but that Cole Strange is good. He's coming off a good game. I wouldn't want I you to say something nice about it. Thank you so much. The offensive line and the ground game has stamped themselves as what I think we all hoped they might be, and that's the foundation upon which the offense can build. I'm not saying it's good enough. I'm not you know, jumping on any freaking duck boat or Fitzy tour bus here. I'm just telling you, after week one, I was wondering what the hell the offense was going to do, whether it was throw, run, protect, offensive line. I was questioning everything. A week later, I saw a five-man offensive line that admittedly went back to some of their more traditional run plays at times. I don't really care. Scheme it however the F you want to scheme it. Just get five guys out there that block and use Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, who had about a buck 20 between them. They're averaging five yards a carry, basically. You now have a foundation to build upon, and that's your offensive line and your two-headed running back attack. You You have gotten some very good guard play, not only out of Cole Strange, who I made a point of putting a piece out there about, because it's fun for the Belichick can't draft crowd and all of us who may need to be given a sliver, if not a full slice of humble pie, because we decried it as the worst pick of this year's draft or potentially the most controversial one of the Belichick era. So far, kids grading out pretty good, and he did a nice job against Cam Hayward on Sunday, though he didn't see him every rep. He still did a nice job, especially on that running back closer by committee drive. Andy, I'd like yep, to yes and I'd like to yes and you here and give you some props on that. I agree. The run game and the offensive line have been the biggest strength thus far. I got this from Mark Daniels a little while ago. Mac Jones has been sacked 2.99% of his dropbacks. Fourth best mark in the NFL so far. It is a small sample size only through two games. So uh, that's not bad, all things considered, even though he seems at times to still move about as if like he's kind of harried or doesn't know exactly where he always wants to go with the ball. But there's no denying the fact that it's the offensive line and just the run game in general. We were saying closer by committee. That's a death knell in baseball. If you have multiple closers, you have no closers. The way that those guys ran decisively and with power following their blocks and hitting the holes for first down Sunday, that's damn near the sexiest thing you're going to see probably out of this offense for a long time, Pats fans. And you know what? I appreciate it. I enjoyed it personally. Okay, yeah. Chris Scheim, I need a pot, not a negative. We'll get no, no, no. negatives. I just want to m- mention on the offensive line, I think they were pretty good against the Steelers. I will give them pretty good. Um, I'm I'm able to say that. Pretty good. Smile. Um, I still think it was a bad pick, but that's a philosophy thing, so we'll save it for another day. Well, that are, I, performance versus in that argument, because I don't remember people saying Cole Strange couldn't play. Yeah. I believe the criticism was he was taken three rounds too early or two rounds too early. Mm-hmm. I don't ever hearing remember here. Everybody said this guy's probably going to be a good NFL guard. He's got all the attributes. Yep. Well, and it was also yeah. creating the need by dealing away Shaq Mason and how many other things from defensive end or especially wide receiver cornerback did we think the Patriots needed at that time? Still do. But anyway, go ahead. Chris Shine, give me a positive, baby. Offensive line was pretty good against the Steelers. Two thumbs up. Good job. Uh, my positive is that... Nelson Aguilar might be worth the money. Uh, I, I mean, if he's going to play like he played against Pittsburgh, 
Didn't Nelson see Aguilar becomes worth the money. I know, right? That catch. Wow, what a made. refreshing. Wow, it's almost like I just bit into like a big piece of mint gum that had a fruit center. I got that like 46 way refreshment there. That 46 yard catch he made was not a great throw by Mac. It was underthrown. No. Uh, and a different cornerback might have broken it up. But you want to know what Nelson Aguilar did? He said, I don't care. Reached over the cornerback, snagged it out of the air, and took it to the house. And to Nelson Aguilar, I, I, I. Tip my hat to you, sir. You had an awesome day. You were the first 100-yard receiver in Mac Jones's career. You showed us why they paid you $11.5 million a year. Uh, was it two off-seasons ago now? Uh, and if you can maintain that, if you can be consistently pretty good like that, you are a top 40 receiver in football. And you know what? Good signing by Belichick. Let me just piggyback on that because I the play was great. Don't, don't get me wrong. Awesome. Great physical play. I think maybe one of the sneaky best part of his parts of his day was he was thrown to six times and he came away with six catches. The efficiency there, because I've seen him be inconsistent on the practice field, be inconsistent with his hands. We know in Philly what they think in terms of the consistency (laughs) catching the baby coming out a window. Um, So so his the fact that he was six for six and is averaging 15 yards a catch, which is where you want him to be. I think you're 100 percent right. I think. I, I, lightning may strike me. I think you're being a little overly optimistic that um, after I, all of last look, year and on the second game of the, his second I'm season. I'm just saying, like, people, people, especially Kyrie Thompson, were kind of pumping up Nelson Aguilar's tires yep. a little bit in mm-hmm. the preseason. And that's why this game kind of not I won't say ultimately validates but begins to validate those people that were pumping him up a little bit and if that continues if that progresses in this same direction now I'm not telling him he has to have a hundred yard game every day or every week but he has to be productive and he has to consistently be there and be present and if that continues throughout the season he could end up being worth the money. And it balances take- out Jacoby Myers, who is your possession guy, and you just wish you had something more than a possession guy. And if Aguilar can be that, yeah, that'd be huge for the offense. One game in, we'll see if they can do it twice. Do I hear two? Jacoby Myers goes 9 for 13 for 95. It would have been glorious if they had 200-yard receivers. But I'll balance it out by this. Devontae Parker still with Oh, catch whoa, whoa, for whoa, whoa. Still we're we're not getting negative I'm, Excuse me, I'm not done. Oh. That sounded negative. Blank heads. I was like, I'm excited for the negatives, so just wait. Okay, no, no, of course you are. You're, you, you're, you're like, oh, help. Shime's getting hungry. Elf needs food badly. No, if Devontae Parker still only having a catch on the season means that the attention drawn to him allows Aguilar to feed or opens up a little more space for Myers, for these guys to be able to make third down catches or go long and maybe take it to the six point house, then I don't see his lack of production so far as a negative. In fact, I'm fine with it. See, I spun the negative into a positive. How about that shit? Whoa, whoa, unnecessary potty mouth. All right. What's your positive Fitzy? I just gave you my positive. I, yes, I piggybacked off of you the offensive line and especially the powerful, the powerful running game. No, oh, no, 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 no. Your own opinions. Okay. <laughs> uh, ah, yes. Stealing uh, my crap. Uh, anyway, uh, so I guess uh, that means uh, we're going to go quickly. Uh, actually, before I move on to the negatives, and I'm sorry that I uh, false started you there, Shime. I know you're, no, you're good. Going I'm, in the negative direction. I have it in the holster. I'm ready He's, to go. Um, the the everyone Parker can't wait thing to hear it. is fascinating to me that we saw Xavier Howard week one. There was a pick, and I know he wasn't covering him, but a pick to uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, their best defensive back week two. So 
I don't really know what other teams are looking at because I look at Devontae Parker, who played with Jalen Waddle last year and Mike Gusecki, and Jalen Waddle ca- caught a hundred and whatever five yep. balls as one of the fastest players in the NFL. Even getting the coverage he got last year, Devontae Parker had less separation than any receiver in football for the second straight season. I don't really understand why opponents are seemingly treating him like he's a number one receiver. You're peeing on my, you're peeing on my, uh, my negative here, Andy. You're just, oh, sorry, but just uh, this is this is more about the opponents. Like I, I agree uh, with you, Fitzy. If they're going to treat him like a number one and give him attention, fine, do it. Fine, do it. But why are you so dumb? Would be my question. Like I don't really. <laughs> and so far, it. and so far on this why season, are you so stupid. And so far in the season, just for uh, for your eggs and benefit, right here, uh, Nelson Aguilar is actually above the league average in terms of yards of separation, and Jacoby Myers is like right at the league average. Kendrick Bourne hasn't really had enough plays to qualify, and Devontae Parker, I think, is at an all-time career low for himself in terms of yards of separation per play. And he's the worst in the NFL entirety for the last two years, and he's already on pace for a career low. Awesome. Awesome. Now, but hey, listen. Transition into negativity. So because we're on him, can I uh, go first in the negative uh, comment? That way that way, it won't be as uh, as as bad as we go through. But Shime, you do you think, think if let... I went to the ice cream parlor and I knew how hungry you were, do you think I would deny you being first scoop on the line? Of course not. Yes. Yes, you okay, would. Okay, Shime, what do you got? Kid. Get negative. It's what uh, you No, do. no, no. So here's my thing. Uh, I think Bill Belichick could be setting Mac Jones back for uh, for the long term. And that's specifically because he brought in Devontae Parker um, and is insisting on throwing 50-50 balls, which is – the lamest thing in foot, the stupidest thing in football, in my opinion. And his offensive play calling has been quite possibly the most vanilla offensive play calling in the history of the sport. Um, and I'm talking with in the history of the sport. Uh, the wing T was more creative than whatever Matt Patricia has dialed up. Um, so, and specifically because the, the trap that is Devonte Parker is that he claims he wins 80, 20 of the 50, yes. 50 balls. No, no, no. He wins 20% of the 50, 50 balls. Matt, we've seen Mac Jones throw up two of them uh, that have gotten picked. I understand one of them was a penalty, whatever. It didn't end up getting called, blah, blah, blah. Still ended up as a pick and another end there, another 50, 50 ball that got batted in the air. And if there was any other safeties around, it would have also been a pick. So, He's being lulled into or or told to throw these balls to Devontae Parker, who can't get any separation and stinks. And, and, and instead of using guys like Kendrick Bourne, who can get separation and make plays when they're on the field. So ultimately, I don't blame Mac Jones. I blame the coach. I blame the guy in charge and the guy who's bringing in the personnel. And therefore, I believe Bill Belichick is negatively setting back Mac Jones for the future. The regression wow. that Christian Fourier predicted, I think. It's not uh, Mac Jones's fault. Okay, so I think mine is similar, so I'm just going to leap off of yours. Um, I know it's only two weeks into the season, but I don't feel like it's that because a lot of us were predicting and projecting this for months and months and months, so it doesn't feel like it's that early in the, in the process here, to steal their word, the process. Um, mm-hmm. I think we just need to accept this offense is not going to be potent, is not going to score points, cannot win shootouts, cannot trail. I think opening day was a perfect example. When the Dolphins had a lead, they knew it was over. They knew the other team couldn't come back. They didn't need to score points. They didn't need to do anything. The game was over. And this isn't to say the Patriots will not win games. They will win games. We saw them win a game on Sunday. They're one and one. Yep. But 
the reality is when you watch the rest of, let's just say the AFC, you're not that. You're, you know the old Bill Belichick is playing chess while everybody else plays checkers? I feel mm-hmm. like the rest of the offenses. Yeah, I know. Mike Irvin, he loves to use it. Um, and then he goes, <laughs> I love him. Um, I feel like I'm watching the rest of the American Football Conference play chess, and the Patriots can only play checkers with Mac Jones. And this is this is not a specific indictment of any. I mean, I guess Bill, because Bill told us blame him. He's ultimately responsible for everything. So I guess I would blame Bill. But the reality is they don't have a good scheme. They have offensive coaches that are learning on the fly. This should have been expected. They're barely offensive coaches. And I think the biggest issue, the bottom line, for those of us that were saying trade up for Jamison Williams, you're two years away. Go get Mac, his special playmaker. Get him as Justin Jefferson. Get him as Jamar Chase. They still don't have any weapons. I love Ramondre Stevenson as much as anybody, but if he's your game-changing weapon, your best you can field, and I think he might be at this point, you're in trouble because he's not that. He is not Christian McCaffrey uh, in his heyday or, or, or Jonathan or Taylor Tomlinson or like he can't carry you. And the rest of the offensive weapons, I mean, hell, you got $25 million worth of tight ends that are doing nothing, nothing. So I think we just need to accept, accept this team as old school. You said it, Shime, you know, 80 years ago, like they're going to need to run the ball. They're going to need to get turnovers. They're going to need to get special teams plays. They're going to need to get breaks. That's just the reality because in a league where some can't teams can decide I'm going to score, some some teams can score 24 points in a quarter, 21 points in a quarter. The Patriots cannot. You are not that. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Yeah, the rest of the AFC may seem like they're actually playing chess in virtual reality or the metaverse, and the Patriots at times with this offense are playing checkers. But it's like one of those little tiny magnetic ones you bring on a road trip and the kids try to play in the backseat and then the pieces end up all over the floor. Like, it's not that impressive. However, when you say that they lack playmakers in general, I still think Ramondre Stevenson has more than he's shown us over these two games. 
we're almost diminishing now after paying tribute to or at least propping up Nelson Aguilar for making a great play last Sunday, the fact that he can be a playmaker at times. And while I'm not going to compare the Patriots receiving core or tight end room to any of the best ones in the AFC, let alone what Miami was able to pull off on Sunday. Yeah. Fact is I had the exact same, uh, I had the exact same biggest weakness. I wrote it right here on the old six rings notepad falling behind by two touchdowns or more. Last Sunday, we saw everybody, including the Atlanta Falcons, who, side note, were down 28-3 to and almost came back. They were a mistimed 40-yard touchdown pass away that Ramsey mossed over a receiver from coming back themselves. You had Oakland up, excuse me, there it is, Vegas. They are up 20 points. They end up losing that game. Uh, it was, what, 35-7 to or 35-14 at one point between Baltimore and Miami? 35-14. And Mi- Miami storms back. With Tua, side note for any of the listeners, go search out on Twitter the video where a guy took basically did the mirror image flip and had Tua look like a right-hand passer, and all of a sudden he looks confident, poised, and rocket-armed. I don't know what it is about his weird left-arm action. It doesn't look the same, but that was a really fun watch. And then, of course, you've got Buffalo throwing an easy 40 spot up on a Monday night. Yeah, Andy, they're not going to be able to do that. So the Patriots are going to be, until they show us otherwise, a front-running old-school team that's going to play grind-it-out football. And that's just the bottom line. Like, to ask them to be something that they're not, while it's fun to experiment or step out of your comfort zone at, at times, it's not going to be It's not going to be what you're going to see this year. Not until they get more explosive players and not until they add a tight end who doesn't run uh, either with plotting abandon like Hunter Henry does at times or just get in the way of success like John Smith. Oh, that poor guy. It's just never going to work. What if, what should we do? What really should we do with John o. Smith at this point? Um, Exile. Throw him in Boston <laughs> Harbor like he's afraid of tea. Afraid oh, oh, of poor tea. man. It's Send just, him down it's, the Cape. Have him enjoy some treehouse brewing down the Cape and just not, let him live his life. Oh, it's not going to happen. It's just we just keep trying to make it happen. It's just not going to happen. Abel it's was I, or I saw Elba. It's funny because Nick Cayley held a conference call this week as the rotational offensive voice in their assistant calls. And uh, he talked about how hard Jonu Smith works and how great he is to work with and everything he does behind the scenes. And I believe it. Like, I don't think he's just trying to fluff him up because he knows the guy's not having a lot of success. But the reality is, like, those are the comments you expect to get out of, I don't know, former practice squad defensive end turned fullback like James Devlin, right? Like these stories that are arcing upward from nowhere, not your $12.5 million a year highest paid tight end when, oh yeah, he works really hard behind the scenes. Guess what? No one cares. No one cares how hard he works behind the scenes. He makes $12 million to work hard in front of the scenes, right? As the scene. And it's, I'm with you guys. It's never going to work. And sadly, he is supposed to be, and I would say another one is Tyquan Thornton. And I know, Fitzy, you're really down on the pick and you make fun of his body and all that, but the reality is he had a good summer. He runs a 4-2. Mm-hmm. He might have been a guy that could have flashed for you over the first couple games, right? He One play here, one play there, and we're not going to see him for you know another month plus. Well, we'll see. So we're heading into week three right now. Being on IR means he has to miss at least the first four games. Do we have any sort of update as to his healing process? Because it was uh, always about six to eight weeks, depending on players' ability to heal once he took the ding. Yeah, 
I'd be stunned if we see him before late October. I mean, we're still a month away. It was yeah, you know, eight week. Maybe the uh, Bears game that Monday night could be a target, something like that. And that would be about two and a half months. Not to play your side of the street, but you know, a guy from a fractured bone coming back who you think may be frail or, or limited. In, yes. Yeah, in his ability to take hits. I think you're going to err on the side of caution. I mean, hell, a guy that we all think was as tough as, as Steele learned that lesson in Rob Gronkowski when he came back too quickly from the, the broken, broken forearm. Arm. So I, I would well. think with this player, this body type, this injury, they will err on the side of, of caution more than anything else. But it's unfortunate because he's a potential. I'm not putting it on him like, oh, he needs to come in and be an all-pro receiver. But Tyquan Thornton's a guy that could be a potential playmaker, individual plays in for this team, and you're going to have to wait a while to see him. Well, hopefully when he comes back, he's healthy enough that they don't rush him back. It's not a compromised or a managed workload that he has to take on. We'll see. But yeah, I I, I would put the, since I'm always one to love uh, an over-under or a marker, side note, if anyone had bet the over-under on number of snaps uh, Kendrick Bourne got last Sunday, if you're like your boy, he you took the right. over. Good job. 22 plays when I said 16 and a half still counts. I don't think you could actually bet it. I'm you, you no, made you the number. No, I, if <laughs> I, if, if I had, do you have an app where I can put bets in with you? Do you believe it or not? I was approached by an offshore gambling account and their pitch to me in trying to do an influencer deal was we'll give you the latitude to create a prop or two every week if you want to. And then you can share it with followers and your audience. I absolutely would have done that last week and I would have cashed in. Wouldn't that no. have just been glorious? Well, I didn't, son of a bitch, but it was still a pretty good call. That said, <laughs> I'm calling the Bears game for uh, the legend of Tall Reek, as some call him, uh, Taekwon Thornton. Uh, okay, so back the oh, I can't wait to play the Bears. That'd be one game. That's one game that I'm going to pick the Patriots to win by like 20. Bears are super yeah, good. They're, they're bad, good, but they yeah. don't have enough of those on their schedule because, you know. I'm trying to inject some positivity. No, actually, here's the thing. I don't want a bunch of Bears games because that's just going to lull people into a false sense of security or make people think the Patriots can do more than they're capable of. I'm here for you the learning like last curve. season. I'm here for the oh, growth. They're trending down the exact same track as last well, season. Well, maybe they can actually take a few more bids. A little Leo, little Dr. Leo Marvin here. Maybe some baby steps toward progress so, as some of the new tent, tent pole pieces grow. So I... I we were kind of similar in both our, our pros and con takeaways. So I wanted to just um, circle back around a little bit on that and, and maybe talk about other areas that you considered. I considered, we all considered mm -hmm. for those categories, because I don't think we mentioned and it deserves mentioning the defense. And I think the defense has been pretty good through the first couple of weeks. The defensive front, I think, has been flat out good. I think Judon and Wise, Barmore showed up this week. I think the defensive front led by those guys has been good. And the back end has been good enough, has tackled. Now they're going to get tested more. There's no doubt about that. The tests are coming. But, you know, I'm also a believer you can only kind of face the challenge that's put ahead of you. Yep. And this is this, this is the question I brought up like this first week of training camp. Like, Maybe this defense, even though they lost J.C. Jackson, their best player and the number one cornerback to build around, maybe they can still be good enough, good enough to be competitive. Because I do, Shine, feel like they're going down the last year road and the defense was a big part of that. Like the defense was yeah. good enough against mediocre opponents. And then when it faced real offenses, it couldn't measure up. Yeah, uh, it's I the think, boogeyman 2.0, dude. I think this defense is pretty good. Like I think 
like if you were to just take this defense as a group away from the Patriots and put it with an offense like Baltimore or like Kansas City or like the Chargers, like I think that's a winning team. I think this can be a winning defense. But as you said, I think they will be tested, or especially over the next couple of weeks, right? You get Lamar Jackson coming into your building next week. The week after, you go to Lambeau and you face Green Bay, who is basically a two-headed running back machine um, and with very young receivers. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how you play against those teams. And you're going to get Buffalo twice this year. I so- want the Green Bay challenge, though. I'm glad you highlighted that, Shine, because I think – I really do. I think they'll play better than some people expect against the Ravens this coming Sunday. We'll save all of that for the six rings preview in a couple of days. But I really think that the Green Bay game with the uh, different approach that they're taking to offense this year, highlighting the two backs and the receivers almost as an afterthought in an Aaron Rodgers offense, followed by the Lions, who are going to be no pushover and no easy task for any team, let alone the Patriots. Uh, in week five at home at Gillette, like that's going to be fascinating to me because the Lions actually look like they look swift, precise, uh, and sometimes impressive on offense so far. Yeah, you might lose a kneecap in that game, but like it's like I think overall, like overall, like I would give this defense like a solid B, leaning even to B plus. Like that's kind of where I think they are, and and I think and I think that's a good spot to be in right now because I think you can still improve, um, but you could also still get worse. So you need to make sure you don't do that and that you continue to improve. And you have guys like Mac Wilson making that incredibly athletic play, which led to Jalen Mills' first interception as a Patriot on Sunday. Uh, Matthew Judon is tied for i think third in quarterback hits so far so whether it's the way they're scheming it up his early season energy who they've played whatever the combination is he's actually getting his job done as well and sunday oh boy you got the matthew judon reunion game as well like if there's a game you would think you'd need him it would be sunday uh against the ravens and how in the world they get any sleep this week trying to figure out some sort of corral and contain defense for LaMarvelous, that's why they get paid the big bucks and we do the podcast talking about them. So did you guys have any other, uh, Shime, I hesitate to even ask you, but any hey, other positives? I'm, I'm being pretty level-headed today. Okay, okay. any other credit. positives you take out of the Steelers win? Yeah, the, how about the cornerbacks? The cornerbacks, like as we're talking love on the defense, I think the cornerbacks have been a little bit better than advertised. So I disagree. I think they've, I I don't think they've, I just, no, no, no. And and it's, it's because I just don't think they've, they've been challenged yet. Right. Like, I mean, what do you mean they faced Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and Deontay and two played like dog doo-doo in week one. And then they faced Mitch Trubisky. Like, I think if that's not Mitch Trubisky throwing the football, Deontay Johnson probably carves you up a lot worse than it looked. And I think the same thing with Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill still had nine catches for 84 yards. It's like, did you contain him? Sure, but two also looked like crap, and they knew you couldn't score, so they weren't like they weren't in desperation mode like they were against Baltimore. So they weren't just hurling it. And and so I I think I think the defense right now, at least the cornerbacks, are in a spot where they're not making massive mistakes, but they're just also. I don't think they're going to be talented enough to keep up with some of the talent they're going to face as the season goes on. 
At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, yeah, so let well, me we'll see who him. can handle Amon St. Ra. That challenge Dude, comes in a few weeks. Amon Ra St. Proud, the sun god, is he, a He's an absolute, he's an, on a tear that I can't remember a wide receiver going on right now. Well, it's and the best in history. I mean, it's the, so there's three receivers who have done what he's done. Over the last eight games, he's had eight-plus receptions in each game. There's only three receivers on that list who have done that. It's him, Antonio Brown, and Michael Thomas. That's it. That's the list. But when you add in touchdowns, he's... I, I believe it's... I believe it's him and uh, Antonio Brown, and that's it. Yeah, he's saying doing it's, historic things with, yes. we do need to mention, with Goff. Jared Goff. Jared Goff, because I am a Jared Goff hater. I think the guy stinks. I'm Ever since him. he took that fake sack in the Super Bowl when when Kent, Kyle Van Oy buzzed his tower and he fell to his <laughs> knees like a little yep. bitch, I, have, like, I was done with him. But he's throwing the ball to this record-setting receiver. He's so like just, a jugs machine. He's not going to move around that well. He's not that – he may even have yeah, the intelligence of a jugs throw, machine. But, he's but a jugs the machine throw. can make the throws, and yeah. that's all he needs to do. Doing the job. Um, another positive I wanted to touch on, because I'm I'm kind of actually on uh, Shime's side here with the corners. Like I'm interested to see where that goes. But I think there's been a development that you saw the the evolution of, of Jabril Peppers. I thought he had a couple plays on Sunday – big hits like where he was active you needed it actually because kyle duggar was actually out with an injury at the time jabril peppers we've talked about the safety depth and that that has to be sort of the core of the back end um as he evolves here with adrian phillips who looks like you kind of avoided um a scare there with that injury from week one he was back out there in week two but i think jabril peppers feels like he's picking up momentum and I don't know whether it's physical that he's hitting his stride physically coming off the knee injury or he's just getting comfortable in the defense but I think Jabril Peppers is going to be a playmaker for this back end yes and uh I have a small critique if I may and I think we can all agree with this it is time to end the Miles Bryant experiment not in the secondary because he's actually done decent work uh as a slot corner no 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 it is time to end Miles Bryant punt returner let us get Marcus Jones yes. back there Let's get him active. We're we all need not page. only somebody who doesn't catch the ball going backwards at the three, fumble it into the end zone and give the other team one, two, three opportunities to recover it in the end zone for seven. 
uh, and not pulling Olszewski, if you will. Oh, Gunner, we feel for uh, the quick side note. I there. would like the dynamic approach. I would like some. I will. We need some dynamic. We've been talking about playmakers. Marcus well, Jones. He's been dynamic when he had the ball. He's returned so the ball well when he catches it. He just didn't catch it that time, and he made a terrible decision. Um, How lucky, by the way, were they? Cam, according Holy to Cam smoked. Accord, um, that was never going. There was really no point where that was ever going to be a touchdown. Uh, the impetus of the ball carried itself into the end zone. So even on the muff, if the Steelers recover, it's still just a touchback. As long as Miles Bryant doesn't, A, bat it out the back of the end zone, that's a penalty and a safety, or pick it up, get possession, run around again, and then fumble a second mm-hmm. time. So even though our hearts kind of dropped a couple times, but I if don't he, believe. If he still wasn't a great it, play, though. If he had muffed it off the face and it came into the field of play, though, and the Steelers recover it, they get it at the one-yard line or wherever they recover it, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the 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 muff um, momentum, <laughs> muff, muff momentum muff, The muff momentum, yes. We all love muff momentum in our lives. The muff momentum carried it into the end zone, so therefore it would have been a touchback. Correct, but as he's running backwards, he's still in the field of play. If he had kicked that it's into the field of play or something like that. There were more ways that it also could have gone bad or worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying like Cam Accord's trying to put a bandaid on it, but like there were also more ways that it could have also gone worse, not just alternate ways where it could easiest way to make sure that we prevent that is just take him out, play Marcus Jones. That's it. Or he can just not run that far backwards over his shoulder and try to make a stupid play. Also true. Just fair catch and let it bounce. Or, or just get, let it bounce. Just get the hell away from there. Poison. Poison. The way. Everybody get the hell away from it, including me. But yeah, uh, the, the bigger picture, Marcus yeah. Jones, you drafted a third round two-time All-American returner who I know it's different from college to pros, but he's experienced. He knows what it's he's not doing. That, it's not that different. The return game is the return game. No, it's like a ball it's, in the air. Catch it. Once And once he catches it, it, it all comes down to athleticism and vision. And, and that's I think, it. I think you'll see him this week would be my guess. I agree. I think you need more dynamics. You need explosive plays. Miles Bryant, probably not going to provide him. Although, nice little return on Sunday for Kyle Duggar. It's one of the top return, top kickoff returns in the NFL to the date. So, the one other thing I wanted to touch on before we wrap up this Victory Week edition of the Six Rings podcast was something that I know a lot of people, Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, and others have been kind of harping on, fixating on, uh, extrapolating from, was some changes to the Patriots' sideline. They really fixated on Bill Belichick being very active with the offensive players, the offense, the offensive coaches, Mac Jones, basically turning his back on the defense and letting the defense, Steve Belichick, Gerard Mayo, and those guys uh, do their thing. I know there were some other changes. Billy Yates was on the field in the first half. He had been in the press box in the first half. That maybe allowed Matt Patricia to maybe be a little more involved with the the quarterback skill position player adjustments, talking with Bill. What do you make of maybe Bill taking a more hands-on approach in week two and as we evolve here? Is that just the natural course of things or is that a early season panic type move? No, I think I think that was to be expected. I mean, we kind of talked about it that Mm-hmm. At some point, he would probably step in and and assist more with the offense because, again, Matt Patricia hasn't done this before. So I, I don't necessarily think that it is by any means the panic button. I think the panic button is when you see Belichick with the play sheet calling plays. That, to me, is the panic button, which we haven't gotten to yet. 
nope. that's, we're not there. That is not what happened. This was him just conferring with the offense a lot more and a lot frequent, a lot more frequently, which I think is fine. He noted he knows that his defense is in better hands right now than his offense, and so he needs to help his offense. and And I think that as the as the head coach of the football team is the responsible thing to do. This is his design, his want, his wish. He brought them in, so he best be there to shepherd and supervise as they learn on the fly, on the job. And I think it was probably Matt Patricia who was calling a lot of those plays late game, which ended up working out conservative as the drive may have been. That four to six minute offense at the end closed out things nicely for the Patriots. I do not see Bill Belichick having his hand not just in the offensive cookie jar, but elbow deep in it at times to be a positive because then again, like I said, this is his design and his idea. Right. And his responsibility. So when it goes well, I guess we praise him. And when it goes poorly, we blame him. He at least told us that much, right? Blame him if this doesn't work. But for one week, it worked. They got a victory. They got some help from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Certainly old friend or plant or whatever you want to call him. Gunnar Olszewski gave you a muffed punt to give Damian Harris an easy touchdown. And they got the big play this week at the end of the half on a play so impressive that even Chris Scheim liked it. Like, I I don't, I think we need to note that for a minute, a play so impressive that I believe what Chris Scheim said at the beginning of the podcast was Nelson Aguilar is worth the contract they gave him. That's how impressive that play. I said he could be. Uh, I and and let's let's just add a, a little air of negativity to that because I think that's oh. too positive. Bad throw by Mac Jones, amazing play by Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, I specifically stayed away from Mac Jones as we wrap this up because I didn't want to go down a road of negativity, but I think it's quite clear. Uh, Mac Jones is probably not off to the start of the year that he'd like to have, uh, even though the record is one and one, and I'm sure he took a little uh sigh of relief coming to the podium after a victory rather than skipping the podium while he was getting x-rays as was the case a week earlier but I think we're going to leave our assessments of Mac Jones shine for the coming weeks we'll see give him a month give him six weeks the new offense see where it goes to be fair when I was giving my negative I said a lot of this isn't his fault so I I agree with you I think his evaluation should wait till week four week five week six yeah, he didn't exactly look great. Did didn't look great though when he on the one replay that kind of circulated Monday night around the interwebs, where little Jordan Humphrey came not just very kind of but super incredibly open on a play, and Max stared down Jacoby. Some people said he probably couldn't see him from the pocket that was slowly collapsing. I just think Mac is locking onto his guys or his comfort blankets a little too much, and he's going to have to wait things out and trust both process and pocket in order for the Patriots to be a little more explosive going forward. Tis a learning curve indeed. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, there's a reason the Patriots are last in EPA per play uh, on early downs right now, and and that's – but, again, there is some room for – I'm trying – you know, like I said, I'm trying to be level-headed today and not be super Mr. Negative Cloud. There is some room for oppor- – an opportunity for growth here. Um, I, you know, I, I have – I would say this. I have more faith in Mac Jones to uh, re- like fix himself and get him back to kind of where he was going um, than I do in the play calling of Matt Patricia. So to Mac's credit, I think he deserves a little bit more leeway when it comes to being like, oh, man, he stinks this year. 
a hundred percent. And I'll just for the little Jordan Humphrey play, I've seen Tom Brady do that. I've seen Peyton Manning do that. Quarterbacks yeah. wide open receivers, they even the, the greatest time. of the great. My one concern as we move forward is watching Max accuracy. I don't think he's been accurate enough. And I think the I interception agree. of Minka Fitzpatrick was an inaccurate throw. I mean, look at this throw to Cam Sutton that didn't end up being an interception. Well, that like, was horrific. That was very so, accurate. Can, can I? Uh, yeah, so, he hit Pittsburgh right between the numbers. A buddy texted me and was like, why are we, why is he making that throw? Like he needs to set himself. I go, trust me. I, I think, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks in football, Mac included. And this is a bigger group than just him that need to stop rolling left and throwing. Um, there's only like four guys in football that can make that throw. One in particular that can definitely make that throw and Patrick Mahomes because he's, he's a freak. Um, and then maybe a couple other guys that can relatively consistently Josh make Allen. that throw. Yeah, and and the, those guys who are good at the sidearm shortstop angles, guys like Mac, guys like Russell Wilson, there's a lot. There's a large group of them that are not good rolling left, and we kind of need to uh, try and deter that as much as possible because well, those since, things lead to those mistakes lead to bad decisions. And since Sunday was so wild, and so many teams that we thought were going to win that we have tagged as potential playoff stalwarts, uh, shoe ins or juggernauts, took some L's, including the Cincinnati Bengals and what a brutal loss that was with their oh, terrible offensive, offensive line, line so play, which it shouldn't be because they spent all that money getting two coveted guards and a high price tackle in the off season. Uh, hey, listen, a win on Sunday for the Patriots and it could potentially be a different conversation and maybe the growth curve will accelerate a little bit more for the positive. But again, we'll save that for the preview pod. That is what's up next on the six rings podcast feed later this week. We will look at the challenge that is Lamar Jackson and Rashad Bateman, John Harbaugh, the rest of the Ravens, which, as we know, has been a great rivalry with some very fun games over the year. And it's also the home opener at Gillette Stadium. And what a home opener home opener it is to welcome Lamar Jackson to town. But that's our podcast later in the week. Today, we recapped, relived and brought some positives that maybe will lead to more positives in the future from the Patriots' 17-14 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. For Nick Fitzy-Stevens and Chris Shime time, he was actually positive for a little bit this week. Shime, I'm Andy Hart. That puts the wraps on a Six Rings pod. You want to get in touch at Six Rings pod on Twitter or email us sixringspod at gmail.com. See you. Bye. Yeah.